This is Crowcasts, the podcast from Crow in the UK, a leading audit, tax, advisory and risk firm with global reach and local expertise. In our podcasts, you will hear from our specialists offering insight and pragmatic advice to businesses of all sizes, professional practices, non-profit organisations, pension funds and private clients. My name's Jane Mackay and I'm Head of Tax at Crow UK. Rishi Sunak has today delivered his second budget as Chancellor. We were told by him that the economy has shrunk by 10%, 700,000 people have lost their jobs and borrowing is higher than at any time since the Second World War. In this context, he set out his three-point plan to protect and create jobs, which will involve helping businesses and people through this crisis, fixing the public finances and starting to build our future economy. So I'm delighted to be joined today by three of my fellow partners to discuss the announcements. Lawrence Field, who is a corporate and international tax partner, Rebecca Durrant, our national head of private clients, and Rob Marchant, our national head of corporate VAT. So let's uh, move on to the discussion about what this budget means for businesses and individuals. Uh, Lawrence, we were expecting a corporate tax rate increase, but not to 25%. What do you think this increase is going to mean for companies? Yeah, I think it was a you know it's a bit of a surprise. I mean, you know, the, the good news for companies has got to be that it's been put off to 2023. Um, the not such good news is that it's going to be payable by companies with profits over 250,000, which you know the chances defining them as large companies. But you know, in my mind, you know, there's quite a lot of small, medium-sized companies who can uh, who can be that profitable. Um, you know, why has the Chancellor picked this? I think it's probably because, you know, look at the numbers. Um, in 2018-19, there are about 4,500 companies that paid more than a million of tax. And you know what? They contributed um, something like 30 billion of the corporate tax that was collected. Um, there are a million companies that have got profits of less than 10,000, and they contributed less than a tenth of that. It's a very easy target to go for. Knock up the tax rate by by a quarter almost, or more than a quarter on those companies. And those large companies, rather than paying, you know, 30 billion, they're going to be paying much closer to 40 billion. Right, right. And did you do anything that is going to offset those increases? Well, yes. I mean, there were there, there are a couple of things. One is that losses are going to be capable of being carried back uh, more than one year, um, up to three years now. And that's potentially quite good, I think, in freeing up cash flow. Though, I think if you're a company you, and, you know, if you're lucky enough to have the cash, you might want to think about, well, carrying them back, get relief at 19% or maybe carry them forward, get relief at 25%. You know, there's a choice to be made there. Uh, the other thing that was mentioned is there's going to be this 130% super deduction for investment in, you know, plant machinery. We don't quite understand it all yet, but um, that potentially has a, you know, a real benefit of, of giving a 100, 130% deduction for investment in things that will make you more productive in the future. So on the face of it, it looks like that could be good news. But but let's remember, these are things that apply now. The tax increase is going to happen in 2023. So these things could be gone by then. Companies have returned to profitability and the Chancellor gets his, his full share of that 25%. Yeah, great. Um, so um, just moving on to Rebecca, there was lots in the press about 
tax changes, capital gains tax increases? What 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 actually happened for individuals? Not a lot, really. I think um, in terms of private client and private wealth, there's a couple of things I think that, um, well, on the positive side, the stamp duty land tax holiday will be good news for property investors. Um, it gives them that little bit more time to be able to boost their portfolios potentially or restructure. We've had a lot of inquiries around that more recently. Um, but in terms of income tax itself, not not a lot. They, they, he stuck to his triple tax lock freezing allowances um, and freezing the higher rate tax band, which will bring more people within those rates. But um, I'm still quite sceptical as to whether or not that's going to make a, a huge amount of difference to um, to the COVID hole, um, as I call it. Same with capital gains tax, inheritance tax reliefs, the, the nil rate band, the annual exemption have all been frozen. So again, if asset values are increasing, then um, potentially there will be more tax take, but it's not again, as I say, going to be huge amounts. I mean, just picking up on on some of the, the points that Lauren's made on the on the corporation tax, whilst it's not, you know, necessarily a private client matter, a lot of my our clients are business owners and, and they're going to have to do a bit of forward thinking as to when that, start, when that kicks in, that 25% rate kicks in, because that's going to impact them in terms of how they um, extract their profits and what levels they'll be able to take. So there's got to be some budgeting and planning, I think, around that. I think the biggest... Um, the biggest change we're still going to see will be on the 23rd of March. So tax day, as I think everybody is talking about it, there's still got to be some quite um, impactful reform to to actually start to to take bring a bit more money in that he's he's definitely going to need. And we are expecting to see some quite significant consultations on tax reform on that day. So um, just uh, just just for sort of clarity, is um, somebody wants to just explain what tax day is and why it's sort of different from what's happened in other yeah, years? So it, yeah, <laughs> so tax day, I think, um, which is, is definitely, I think it's a press term that's been used. So on the 23rd of March, um, they the government are looking to introduce some consultation documents, which might include some changes on, on what they foresee for capital gains tax, inheritance tax, um, the three-person problem, as, as we've been talking around, between which is the difference between um, self-employed employees and the owner-managed business. So all these these issues that potentially have um, the capacity to bring more tax into um, into the coffers, um, we might see some bigger changes after that. So, um, Rob, that um, the, the tax that we all pay. Um, you know, there were there were a few kind of announcements of extensions of some of the reductions in rates. Do you want, do you want to talk a bit about what was announced in the VAT world? Yes, thanks, James. The, the VAT, the simple tax, as as, um, as we refer to it. So uh, the, the news today is, is really in line with what was expected. And I guess I, I sit here with a little bit of smugness in terms of my, my budget prediction being pretty much spot on. Um, well, wasn't going to say that, Rob, give you the credit. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, moving on. Right? <laughs> The, um, it, the, 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 a, the extension of the, the temporary reduced rate for the, the VAT in hospitality and tourism sectors. So we, we've had a 5% rate for a little time. Um, it was expected that it would be continued, and that is the case. Um, government estimates are, are 5 billion in, in VAT savings that that will generate for business. Um, I guess there is some disappointment out there that there's no tinkering changes to the fact that the different sectors or the products that it would apply to. So it is simply an extension of the timeline. 
Um, I did like the innovation around the fact that the rate will go up in, in a staggered way. So it will move back up to 12.5% and then go up to 20%. So there is some staggering as, as, as hopefully the, the economic conditions improve. So that, that was the first main one, um, kind of within this bucket, if you like, of, of COVID reactive measures. Um, the other one actually was, was a deferral of the, the VAT payments that people were due to make last year um, when we first entered lockdown in March, April um, 2020. Um, at that point, um, people were able to defer payment to VAT. The government has extended the, the deferral timeline for people through to January of 22. Um, that's something that you need to opt into. Um, and a point my client should be aware of really is also that there's a penalty for people who have not made um, payments of the amounts outstanding or entered into time to pay arrangements with HMRC. So um, 5% penalty has sort of snuck its way into the papers today, which people need to be aware of. Okay, that's really helpful. So so just sort of summing up, in terms, I think we, we had quite a lot about the support to businesses and how that's going to continue will be extended. In terms of sort of fixing the public finances, Lawrence, what do you do you feel he's done enough on that for the moment? Uh, I, I'm not sure we really know what his plans are going to be. I mean, in the end, he, he's kind of got two two big picture things he can do. One is encourage economic growth and hope that just the growing economy means that there's going to be more tax generated. And the second one is to put up taxes. And kind of against that background, I think the next election is due when is it 2024? So certainly on the corporate front, he's talking about putting these taxes in, in in 2023. So, you know, maybe his political judgment is the economy might grow enough. He might not to, he might be able to maybe claw back some of these tax proposals nearer the time if, if things are looking good. And if they're not looking good, he can always go into the next election fighting on, you know, the, the basis of somebody doing the responsible thing. Whether these things are going to be enough in themselves, I really don't know. So much depends on how much the economy recovers and whether things, are, to be honest, are outside of the chances control, get into a position where um, uh, he's going to raise enough uh, enough income. Okay, yeah. Um, so in terms of sort of, uh, you know, his th- the third prong was building the future economy and sort of creating jobs for the future. Um, Rebecca, is there anything in kind of in, in the context of fixing finances and building the future economy that that sort of jumped out for you in terms of maybe the three the three person problem? Yeah, I mean, in terms of what he's doing so far, you know, with with the the furlough scheme, extending the furlough, and and the support for the the sectors that have been hit the most, obviously hospitality, retail, that that support is there, and we're still we are still spending money. I think what that support has done though is highlight the differences between um an employee a self-employed individual and, a, and an owner manager um and how um how they're taxed how how they are um actually looked after in terms of the benefit system and there's a differential in the tax system which is is then reflected in in the support that that they get so if what he's trying to do or or intends to do in the future is align um the national insurance contribution level, for example, for self-employed people, um, then he's going to have to change the benefit system, I think, to to compensate for that. Because at the moment, they, an, a self-employed person has much more of a financial risk, as we've seen throughout COVID, than, than an employee does. Um, we said, I think, from, well, certainly I've said from the beginning that the the 
the, the proportion of tax revenue that comes from that from that sector is around 45%, I think. So if he is going to make some um, significant increases and, and start to build back, he is going to need some more money to do that. Um, and the that's got to be where where those changes are. So I do think that there's that there's more to come. Um, and for him to make some significant impact in that area so that we have got the money to be able to to get the economy going again. But, it, but you know, people have got to spend money to keep the economy going. So there's got to be a, a line drawn, I guess, a balance, a balance, um, a balanced view to make that work. So and, and Rob, from your point of view, from a sort of VAT point of view, is there anything that's sort of on the horizon that's going to make a difference to VAT or help him out? There's actually two things I'd, I'd just like to add, really. Um, one, just just continuing from what Rebecca was saying, obviously it's slightly tangential to today's budget stuff, but we had the Uber employment law decision a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Which is, you know, bang on this point. And um, there's follow-on litigation in the VAT courts about whether VAT is payable on, on the amounts received by Uber or, or by the drivers. So um, many of the drivers not being registered for VAT. So there would be a significant VAT cost for Uber if they were found to be the provider of those services. Um, just back on to budget, you know, staying on topic before I get told off. Um, one of the things that, that perhaps did sort of stand out for me today, and I wasn't expecting necessarily, was the announcement around free ports. So a, a lot of businesses are, are having to adapt it to new rules following Brexit. Um, clearly, that there's a, a significant narrative about kind of UK PLC growing our export market and our, our new position in, in international supply chains. So um, I've written quite a lot in the past about how free ports could be part of that strategy. So it was pleasing actually to see um, a number of places in, in the country being sort of designated as free ports. Um, we, we do wait to see though the detail of exactly what release will be made available or kind of incentives to, to encourage businesses to, to develop and to grow in those areas. Okay. I think the challenge there, Rob, is going to be to whether the free ports actually encourage new investment or whether what it actually does is displace existing investment. And I'm sure it will be a combination of the two, but I, I, I'd be almost certain the chance would be like, like it to be more of the former and less of the latter. I think he was talking a lot about the... And um, that was something that struck me when he was talking in the budget about was um, being first in the OECD for investment with, with these new reliefs. And is that going to um, increase the tax base? I think that'll be I think that'll be an interesting an interesting point to, to see whether or not that that does actually work. Um, because I think, you know, getting back to what, what Jane was saying about have we have we got enough here that, to pay for it? I'm, I'm I'm not convinced that that's that that's the case as yet. And certainly, some of the some of the rises and some of the changes are not going to come in for some time. And we've still got a lot more money to spend as yet. You're absolutely spot on there. I mean, there's there's some quite interesting stats from the OECD that um, in in 2018 the UK got eight percent of its tax revenues with a corporation tax rate of 19 percent. Mm. Whereas Germany and France, who've got headline rates of 33% and 30%, only actually raised 46 and 5.5% of their tax revenues from companies. So, you know, to some extent, the headline rate is a bit irrelevant and it's the yield and it's the what yeah. reliefs you get and what else, what reliefs you don't get that are the really important things. And, uh, you know, there's there's a slight obsession with the headline rate. And I have seen research that says, well, CEOs of global companies look at it and don't really look beyond that. But, you know, you'd hope businesses are a little more sophisticated and they'd look at the underlying yield that comes off their businesses rather than the top rate. 
Yeah, and um, th- there was a consultation launched today on sort of the you know R and D tax relief and extending that and trying to kind of um, incentivize the innovative businesses in in the UK. So you'd hope that some of that twenty five percent rate will be offset for businesses that are growing in the sectors that he wants to encourage. So um, just in terms of just sort of we could talk all day about tax, but just sort of conscious of uh, time and the. Uh, the um, interest of our listeners. Um, I, I did. I did want to ask Lawrence what, what you felt about the, the proposal of a beard tax and the fact that that wasn't enacted. <laughs> <laughs> I think you both have a problem. With that, you? Jane, well, it's a very easy one to avoid, I so I've happily gone with it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, just before we leave, um, be great if you could just sort of wrap up with you know one takeaway from from the budget uh, to leave our listeners with. Lawrence, do you want to go first? Uh, I, th- I think the first one would be don't panic. Um, you know, management and investors in companies, it's a long-term thing. Um, you know, Rebecca's mentioned tax days coming in two or three weeks' time. There are going to be a lot more changes. Um, so it's important to look at the long term. Um, you know, at the end of the day, corporation tax is really just a tax on investment returns. And, you know, companies need to look at that and say, is the post-tax rate of return we're getting acceptable? And if it isn't, they need to think about how can they adapt their projects so that they do. So companies adapt. They always do. So, you know, there might be a 25% tax rate on the horizon, but, you know, let's not just panic yet because life will go on. Great. Thank you. Rebecca? Yeah, I think that I think that's that's very true. It's all about what you're left with at the end of the day. So if you make more of that, then the tax number isn't necessarily that significant. Um, in terms of what I would say, I think it's keep planning. We've been doing a lot of planning with clients um, up to the point where people up to budget day because people were concerned about what might change. I don't think that that concern has gone away. I think there will still be some changes around capital gains tax to come. So um, keep planning, keep talking um, and hopefully we'll we'll be able to get a good result at the end of it and last but not least rob yeah so mine really builds on lawrence's comment um companies adapt um but companies also welcome stability so i, I was quite pleased that actually that there was there doesn't seem to be too much tinkering with the vat rules the, the extension to the reduced rate is, is an obvious one um and, and i was actually quite pleased to see the innovation of the stepped increase at the end of that period so um for, for me no real kind of particular surprises in there today Um, but kind of one actually I think UK businesses will welcome. Great thank you all thank you to Lawrence Rebecca and Rob for your insights thank you to anyone listening if you do want to hear more um, from us get in touch or follow the conversation on our website or social media channels and we'll have more to say in the coming days and weeks thanks a lot bye Tune in next time for another episode of Crowcasts. For more information about Crow, our services, industries we advise and insights, visit crow.co.uk. We are an independent member of Crow Global, the eighth largest accounting network in the world. You can connect with us on social media by following Crow UK on LinkedIn or at Crow UK on Twitter.